The Perfectly Generic podcast contains epilogue spoilers. You don't know how long I've been waiting to say that. <laughs> Occasional adult language and Vriska. The show wouldn't be possible without the support of our Crocker tier patrons, Max May, Gumi, Legfish, and Oscar Gao. Thank you so much. I've just started the recording because I feel like there's really no preamble needed. Yeah, there's no way to prepare for this. (laughs) (laughs) So, the Homestuck epilogues plural epilogues plural i can't believe that i came into this shit just to get another cliffhanger after all my way uh god damn it (laughs) (laughs) so we got the first three chat we got the prologue to the epilogues Mm -hmm. today on 413 um, oh, very hussy like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this one, um, and this prologue was written by uh, Andrew Hussey, uh, V, and uh, Sefied Variable, um, who is uh, the novelist Jennifer G- uh, Giesbrecht, um, whose first novel, The Monster of Elmhaven, is available at Macmillan Books. Um, Andrew wrote all the dialogue, and then the prose was the three of them. Um so this is this is the first time that proper like mainline homesuck content has been written by other people, mm-hmm. which is I think fair, which is you know fairly interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm certainly curious as to how it'll carry tonally as it continues to update. I don't want to say a whole bunch right now when we have yet to get into meat into the meat of this um, update, but it's definitely tonally atmospherically like in stark contrast with the main comic already and we've only got i guess three and a half chapters so far far yeah you know it's a lot more it's it's grown up is what it is you know it is Um, they're all in their 20s and sad now yeah which is you know as they say in the business a big mood um, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you know it? it's a little bit more difficult to maintain relationships once you're a little older yeah Ooh. And it just, it, you know, it feels so, so real that way of like, oh, the, like we've drifted apart. Like this is, you know, this has happened to us and it sucks. Um, I'm glad that Homestuck is still embracing that honesty about like the lived experience, though. Like when it started, it was a very honest look at four kids and how realistically they would have acted as like young teenagers in the late 2000s ish um, when everything is going to shit. And now it is a very, very honest depiction of a bunch of people in their early-ish 20s um, who just feel bad all the time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, how about that rose, huh? Oh, geez. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Once I read through this whole thing, I spent maybe five minutes feeling a little bit sad for, like, John, I guess, because he seemed kind of lonely. And I spent the rest of my time thinking about all the light players, especially Rose. Yeah. Oh, I'm worried. Hashtag pray for Rose. I'm scared. Get your prayers out. Get your prayers out for Rose. She's she's got energy. Holy shit. She's She's not doing well. No, she's not doing so hot. But she's oh. still witty as hell. I mean, you know, like, like, don't be a bitch, John. I'm unwell. Is, <laughs> is, to the is, bitter end, the sardonic Rose we've always known and loved. Seeing new, like, like oh. reading this and, like, seeing new Rose dialogue was just like, oh, I felt like I was alive. It's like such a breath of fresh air. Just like, I, 
oh, it's Andrew Hussey writing Rose dialogue. Like, we're living. <laughs> I was so happy until I realized what was becoming of her. And then I felt really bad again. I was like, oh, no. No, John, you have to hurry up. We have to find some way to hashtag save Rose. I'm so scared and worried for her. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we only ended up seeing um, just the four characters in, mm-hmm. in this prologue, which was uh, Rose, John, and then Roxy and Calliope. Um, Oh, I was happy to see those two back again. mm -hmm. It's interesting to see John's perspective on those two and their relationship and the fact that he can't really make heads or tails of it quite yet. Not that he had a whole lot of time to dwell on it. Yeah, I mean, John's a dumbass, but like he he just like clearly (laughs) hasn't done a lot of thinking about the complexities of human, like, you know, of just like the complexities of relationships, right? Like stuff Mm -hmm. that like he's still he lives in this literal like like childish like rep like amphibian simulcrum of the like standard heteronormative suburban life right like he is literally he's isolated himself from like the queer reality of earth sea and he's still just like living out the like fantasy of his old life like he's homestuck but the home is society Imagine, like, leaving society to go save fucking everything, going through every single thing that John did, just to go right back to society, but worse, all over again. I will say that, like, John, (laughs) right, and it's, like, such a real, like, like, it's just a depressed young person narrative of, like, because I spent a lot of my life, like, especially in, in my, in my early 20s, I spent a lot of my early 20s just, like, fucking laid up with how depressed I was. Like, not, not going out. <laughs> like, the early 20s are just such an isolating time. And I promise I'm not just saying that because I'm a lonely person in my early 20s, but because John is too. Yeah. <laughs> Poor dude. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, with Roxy talking about how, um, like, her and Rose weren't as close as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like uh, what from what context we glean, it seems like at least Rose is spending most of her time with Kanaya. What they're up to, who knows yet? It's not like we got to actually see Kanaya in person. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. So, so based on so, if you take this character list at the top as gospel, the characters that are going to appear are John, Rose, Dave, Jade. Jane, Roxy, Jake, Dark. That's all eight humans. And an additional ninth human, Barack Obama. Um, Sweet. <laughs> uh, and then of the trolls, Aradia, Tavros, Solix, Karkat, Kanaya, Terezi, Vriska, Gamzee, Aridin, and Feferi. So that's every main troll but, uh, but Aridin and Nepeta. <laughs> no Equius. I'm sorry, yeah. So, no, sorry, but Equius and Nepeta. <laughs> Aridin is in this list. Um, which oh, no. was which Horse pleases likers, whatever will you do? <laughs> and of course, this pleases me because you know, since we've last spoken, Sam, I've become a fully ascended Aridan Stan. I, you have rights. It's okay. You have <laughs> rights. I won't list what those rights are or to what extent. <laughs> I have they the reach, right to remain silent. Is what I have. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> it's like I have no comment on Aridan. It's okay. Be the Aridan like you're. You're always meant to be. It's chill. Yeah, I'm chill with it. <laughs> there were a lot of people upset at the tag list at the start. Um, hmm. which like oh the content warnings. Yeah, I see. And How did you feel? Well, I mean, you probably have a lot more time to think about this than I have, but how did you feel about it, Kate? I mean, here's the thing is I, 
I think first off, it's something that makes a lot more sense if you are engrossed in like AO3 culture, um, because this mm. like this like weird tag list of like flippant shit and serious shit, like all in one big messy bunch, is like how ta- like over tagged fix work. So it like it felt <laughs> like like that that like that landed for me. As like, you know, as just like a, oh yeah, I've been, like, I've seen fix like this, like, all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think it is a rape joke. Like, I don't think that is what is happening here. Um, like, I, I do not think, like, like, there are, like, what this is, is it's a, it's an outline of what's going to be talked about. Um, which is, which, like, includes some really serious stuff just like homestuck had some really serious stuff in it like homestuck had discussions of substance abuse homestuck had discussions of child abuse homestuck had domestic violence um like homestuck is a like is a work that has never shied away from approaching the difficult themes um and especially in uh like and and i like did you like if you've read the prologue like you saw the like really like thoughtful almost somber tone to it like do you really think that that's like that like this style is not going to be able to convey serious issues well like it already has that's my response to people who are worried about the tag list i think i after i read the first few chapters as presented and like you mentioned i did immediately catch on to the very somber serious tone relative to the original comic I do believe that all of these, like, really, you know, rough topics will be treated with good faith and dignity. Like, I read V's tweets on the topics, and I believe them 100% when they say that this is something they take very seriously. And they aren't trying to, um, when I say they, I mean everybody involved with the um, updates, aren't trying to make a joke of it. But at the same time, I do understand why... When you see, you know, a huge list of, you know, graphic depictions of violence, marriage of character death, all sorts of like really, really hardcore things mixed in with, um, let me take a squint and read here, D- diapers, um, clown. I got a laugh out of that one. I understand why somebody might be nervous before like delving into it before getting a chance to really see that oh shit this is actually really serious work and they probably will take it seriously so mm-hmm. a little clarity and v is 100 right you cannot account for every single nuance you cannot put like a description for every single content warning to explain to what extent it's going to be talked about or how but a little bit more clarity i think might have made people less nervous before proceeding with mm-hmm. the full update work. Yeah. I would but say the of, of the all day, of these yeah. of all of these tags, the only one that applies to this prologue was a discussion of substance abuse. Um mm-hmm. and uh other like and and for future content releases, like like here's the thing. I listened and I heard about that. Like for future content releases, I personally will be posting I don't know exactly where I'm going to do it yet. Maybe it'll be on the Pigeon Pod site or something. But like, I'll, I will post a more detailed look at the content list. Uh, like, you know, just a more detailed of like, here's what pages specifically you should skip if you have certain triggers, right? Like, I I am willing to go into that and like write about it at some point for future content releases. Um, yeah, maybe like just yeah, like you say, like the skip 
if X segment or X page would be the best way to like balance it into the feature. Because again, I do trust fully that everybody working with this and involved with this right now is taking this very seriously. And I'm sure that the right steps will be taken to make sure nobody's hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of what you said just now, how that actually stood out to me quite a bit when Rose did bring up um, her former substance abuse problems. And it turned out that John just not, I don't know, it kind of slipped his mind or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like I was kind of surprised that they revisited that topic. Yeah, and I mean, like Rose is like very much was very much like out in front about it, and it's like mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I I don't know what's up there. Is she being defensive? Is she like, or is she being honest about it? I don't know. That's a, that's a damn good question. There's there's think- a lot of I think there's a lot of densely packed mystery in just these <laughs> three chapters so that we've seen so far. It- Densely packed is definitely the right way to describe all of this. I've reread it a few times, and each time I feel like I missed a lot the previous time. Yeah. Um, probably because it is full text this time around. There's just a lot. There's there's just a lot. <laughs> yeah, Homestuck's a book now. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> I have to prepare myself to get big brain. I have to use every single brain wrinkle to synthesize this. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> So uh, Taz, um, Taz pointed out um, that the mm-hmm. so the first like Homestuck opened with John standing in his room alone um, and then being contacted by Rose about some thing of cosmic importance he needed to do. Um, mm-hmm. And in the first one, uh, John reminded Rose that it was his birthday. And in the second one, Rose reminds John that it's his birthday. <laughs> but it's, it's just so funny and interesting, like how this is an echo of what came before like it quite literally is like a point by point echo of the opening Mm. of homestuck and then it you know it it very like like when it went back to saying a young man stands alone in his bedroom it just so happens that today the 13th of april is this young man's birthday though it was 23 years ago he was given life and 10 years ago and he was given a name it feels like it's only today that we'll begin to understand what all that means that young man is you john egbert who, what will you do? And I thought that was just like, that really hit me. It was like, I can't, it's been it's, 10 years. <laughs> it has been 10 years though. I'm sure you felt the impact of these 10 years quite a bit more harshly than myself because you've been in this fandom so much longer than me. But yeah, even I felt like, wow, this is kind of powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, like the, Oh God. I can't believe it. Homestuck's back. Welcome back. <laughs> And now I have to feel anxious about Rose's future all over again. Thank you, everybody involved. So what do you, like, what do you make of whatever illness it seems to be that Rose is going through? Like, whatever she's enduring right now, it's obviously impacting her a lot. She knows whatever is going to befall her is coming very quickly, and quickly enough that she has to be very urgent and get Mm -hmm. all this information across to John, like, right away, like, ASAP. What do you think is happening to her? Well, she seems to talk about it as something to do with her aspect. And you said you were thinking about light players earlier. So do you want to go into that a little bit? bit? Um, I wondered a lot, especially when she went into her discussion about canon, timelines, what even is canon, what is non-canon, etc. And how, if I understood it correctly, please... Please forgive me if I didn't, because this is, again, a lot. But she has this ability now and has been using this ability to see so many different, like, strings 
of canon, what can be, what is in so many different ways, it's entirely possible that um, maybe she just looked too much. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that would impact her in a strictly physical sense. I doubt it would result in like physical death, but maybe there is some sort of consequence to somebody seeing too much and being privy to too much knowledge of all of these realities that are, if I am understanding what she said, um, all valid and technically canon all at once. Oh, yeah, I wanted to get into that, too. Her Mm -hmm. tripartite definition of canon, um, which is, you know, to be canon, something has to be true, relevant, and essential, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think it's absolutely fascinating to think about the way that... So, for example, you look at fan work, um, like fan fiction. It may be relevant and it may be essential, um, but it may not be true, right? Like AU mm-hmm. fiction, AU fanfic, for example, may be relevant. It, it may be essential, but it's not true. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a combination of truth, relevance, and essentiality that, that comes from having to close this loop of Lord English because the story of Homestuck proper is not over. That's what canon is, right? The loose ends mm-hmm. of canon have not been tied up because... The events that led to Lord English's eventual defeat have not actually, from our main character's perspective, occurred yet. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, the destruction of the Green Sun um, by uh, alternate Calliope in Act 7, right, its implications are now being discussed by the cast. Um, Mm -hmm. But, like, that only would have been possible if there was a, like Lord English was there at that location facing Vriska and the ghost army, um, which like, and Vriska has the house juju, which Caliborn's masterpiece implies like the kids are stuck in <laughs> their mm-hmm. home stuck. Um, <laughs> and, and so John's getting a, John's getting a team together. <laughs> Yep, he can't do it alone. Rose made it very clear. It's like, you idiot, there's no way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Um, I like like the not-so-subtle like acknowledgement that, yeah, not only are we going to see Vriska again, but she's a very major key, and how this is going to um, all play out. And surprise, surprise, guess who's another light sign? Vriska. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, if Rose, by some means or another, is being severely impacted either by... Um, Again, there's a lot of room for speculation, what's going on in certain canon timelines or her own observation involvement with canon, et cetera, et cetera. However it is that she's being um, hurt by her own aspect, I wonder if something similar may be happening to whatever Vriska it is we're going to be following um, or if she's being impacted differently or isn't even being impacted at all. We can't really say we haven't seen her yet. Also, I can, and I have an interesting theory on this, I think, um, which is that, mm-hmm. like, John's social isolation and detachment from the goings-on of the world is just as much a, like, an overcharging of breath as, like, mm-hmm. you know, the debilitating headaches and paralysis of choice is an overcharge of light. Hmm. You know what? That makes a whole lot of sense. You're right. It's kind of like overdoing it too much on your own aspect. If Rose is looking too much into everything to the point or looking at 
differing but all equally valid realities to the point where it's having a negative detrimental effect on her that it's entirely possible you're absolutely right john maybe has embraced breath a little bit too much whereas the star of the story for so long he's withdrawn further and further into his own self his own role his own whimsy even to where he just isn't talking to anybody anymore mm-hmm. i think you're absolutely right in that regard in which case i wonder how that's impacting everybody else how is dave for example being impacted by time how mm-hmm. is jane being impacted by space i'm sure we're going to be seeing those two again very soon yeah it's like it's like to the degree of like these are not just people anymore they are gods right mm-hmm. they are a pantheon and and <laughs> there is there is a there is a level of of mythic like of you know there's there's a level of mythic detachment that comes with being part of a pantheon right mm-hmm. um and i find that really fascinating um and you know you, you actually see it again these were just three pa- just these three chapters there's so much to talk about um mm-hmm. because like the narrative text talks about roxy um which is uh uh you know uh you can't stop thinking about it. What goes on in Roxy's head? What she thinks about you? Mm-hmm. You and all your friends have dispositions affected by your classes and aspects. You think you know what that means in your case. But what about her? You can only speculate. Void is a place where things sink and disappear, where they linger forever but cease to exist. You aren't actually sure if your feelings for Roxy ever really faded or if they just grew numb with time and distance. Is it the same for her? Hmm... I don't know. It's so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I spent, it's like, that's, I spent so much time thinking about just Rose. I didn't even think about the fact that, oh, right, John used to have feelings for Roxy. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I guess if um everybody is going through some degree of, like, overloading with their own aspect and the exact same is happening for Roxy. Mm -hmm. If John is sitting here thinking about how does Roxy feel? How does she like engage with everybody, including me, etc.? What is Roxy thinking? Do you think, do you think it's entirely possible that Roxy is thinking about, um, if her feelings for everybody around her are similarly valid, if the way she's engaging with everybody else is, um, real so to speak or is it too void is it just and i don't just mean like you know however she's talking with john or even calliope like i'm sure she's dwelled a lot about what appears to be um a relationship with rose that's just less involved than it used to be Mm -hmm. i'm sure she has a lot of thoughts about the fact that she doesn't talk with you know mom's sister (laughs) as much as she once did yeah I love that. I love the, I mean, uh, hold on. I actually had a conversation about this. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, Roxy, guess she felt you in on all the ultimate self junk. Then the shit where she starts <laughs> knowing everything and feeling bad. <laughs> John. Oh, that's not the term she used. She just kept describing it as a condition. You haven't been feeling anything like that. Right. Roxy. What? Getting to know my ultimate self, man. I've barely got a hold of my basic ass self. <laughs> How quintessentially Roxy of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very if you can self-aware. be anything, at least, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, if you can be anything, at least know your weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. 
I wish I had more to say. Like every time you bring up something new, I don't think like, oh, I haven't thought about it. I think, oh, I didn't read that part hard enough. <laughs> I know, I know, right? I feel like oh, I haven't read it hard gosh. enough. I'm so excited to like really dig into all of this. Um, so I, I guess you know we should talk about the cliffhanger, which is we are left with a choice: meat mm-hmm. or candy, John. Meat or candy. <laughs> <sighs> What are your you thoughts on your meat breath. and candy? You release your breath when you realize you've been holding it. You're being ridiculous. What's the sense of fussing over lunch? In the end, it really doesn't matter. Whatever you choose, it'll all be flushed down the toilet tomorrow. First, gross. Second, very funny. Third, yeah. it makes me wonder if that's really like John's like impulsive decision making here, or is he instead trying to glean some sort of like wisdom from how Rose would look at it? Mm-hmm. Just a page ago, Rose was talking about how like there are nigh infinite number of canons and like there are so many of them that are all real and all valid so i suppose if we're following that reasoning it's entirely possible that john chooses both meat and candy not necessarily in the line of epilogue that we're reading but in general Mm -hmm. and both of those options may very well be valid and if we're to believe rose canon Mm -hmm. so if that's true and john acknowledges that is true he understands it then maybe he very well will just flip a coin. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he will treat it with a little bit more weight than that. Yeah. But maybe I mean, he's relieved. not Terezi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. But maybe at least be relieved knowing, or at least having faith in Rose's insistence that his decision is real and valid canon mm-hmm. either way. Well, you have to remember that that's the last time the story it. presented us with a... With a um, binary choice like this was the coin flip um, that Terezi, you know, was about whether to kill, whether to stab Briska in the back or not, right? And mm-hmm. what ended up happening there was a third option was taken, right? But it took John yep. to cr- make that third option possible, right? Um, oh, I see what you're implying. Do you think John is going to try that again right now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he seems, he seems like he's not on his A game. <laughs> like like it's, right like it seems like it seems like John like none of these none of these none of these kids are in hero shape right now. And yeah, no, everybody feels like they've stagnated just a little bit John especially. They need that also, little they need that little goat leg guy from Hercules. Also, if you don't mind me pausing this recording for just a brief moment, my dog is asking to come in from inside yeah, no outside. Problem. So just one moment. Yeah, no problem. BRB. <sighs> Pippin, no, Pippin, come on. Don't run away to the other side. Come. <laughs> I'm trying to record a podcast, dude. Come on. I'm trying to record a podcast, but my dog is dumb and cute. Unbelievable. The moment I go to bring my dog in from outside, he immediately runs to the other side of the fence to go bark at a rabbit. Anyways. Are you still there? <laughs> yes, I am still here. I was just enjoying that. Um, so we've talked about the meat candy dichotomy on this show a great deal, actually. Um, oh boy! And and because uh, there was a part of it in one of the uh, Homestuck book commentary, Homestuck book three on Jack Ascend. Oh shoot! Um, uh, Hussey's quote on this was. Um, 
from this point on, I just sort of started shoveling more and more red meat into the story's maw. The stretches where I was starting to get a feel for this type of sensationalistic storytelling content is something I'd later code, mostly for my own internal purposes, as, quote, meat in the meat-candy binary of storycraft theory. I really shouldn't Mm. talk about this yet, though. It's too soon. Um, And at the time, it was like, too soon? Like, what does that mean? Well, it turns out that's what that meant. It was too soon, and now we know what you were talking about. Um, Oh, no. He just straight up throws it in front of us and yeah. we have to dwell on this until it gets updated again oh, yeah. an optimistic duelist uh wrote briefly on this um which is uh like meat is part where people die and get shit done with a lot of spectacle right um mm-hmm. and candy refers to uh shipping or at least like this idea of like you know the the like out of relationships like they are the two types of Mm. satisfying content that people want right like some people want the meat of let's have this cool battle with lord english where everybody uses their (laughs) superpowers right and then people Mm. want the candy of like i want to know who's kissing each other right (laughs) was it was it optimist to duelist who also specifically associated that desire for meat in the story with Caliborn yes. specifically and yes. how Caliborn? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's notable because the cherubs subsist entirely on a diet of meat and candy, right? Like mm-hmm. they, like like both Caliborn and Calliope both only eat raw meat mm-hmm. and pure sugar, right? Um, and you see that in the way that like. Calliope thought trickster mode was fun and was like satisfying Mm. character development where it's actually like this horrific thing that is like, that is like, you know, having the Mario star and skipping (laughs) stages of personal development. Uh, appropriate then then it is calliope that is presenting this decision to john like she's the one who chooses this huge symbology laden decision meat or candy yeah and i mean she's fulfilling (laughs) sorry go on I was just saying, to a John that doesn't look like he's really all the way there and all the way prepared to make this decision at all. Not that anyone's ever fully prepared for this, but, like, he's really out of sorts right now. Yeah. Um, But, like, uh, so she's acting out the role of the muse here by inspiring the story to come, right? She has positioned herself (laughs) in a situation where she's not responsible for the story, but is inspiring our hero to action. Make the choice, John. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um and and you know and homestock has always been phrased as a like what will you do right it's an element of we're watching and waiting to see the choices that characters make and how the story unfolds based on the choices that they make because it's sort Mm -hmm. of a game metaphor because the original conceit was that the choices that they make were the choices that we made quote unquote by submitting reader submissions um Mm -hmm. and in the end like the end of the yeah, at the end of the day, they were playing a game. Yeah. And Homestuck is still a game. Now, here's a question that was asked uh, on our stream earlier, which I'm interested to hear your concept of. Um, who is the narrative voice? Like, who is delivering commands? Is it still, like, <laughs> what's going on there? Like, like, what is the narrative voice metatextually? I see. You mean just for the epilogue? Yeah. Um, well, you can talk about like the narrative voice in Homestuck because the narrative <laughs> voice in Homestuck is like, is Andrew Hussey talking to you, the reader? Hmm. <laughs> I, that's a good question. 
my gut assumption is to say that it is like either a characterless voice or perhaps just the hussy role again the author yeah though it's not really just hussy anymore like that's one thing that's a paradigm shift i have to get used to it's not just hussy making this stuff anymore yeah and also the um, author avatar is dead and gone that is true. Um, I don't know if there's an intended, like, literal answer for who is presenting these choices anymore. Yeah. Um, it's not like in the very, very early days of Homestuck where they were actual literal choices where people, like, readers submitted answers and stuff, played a huge role in how the comic would shape itself in fact Mm -hmm. it's the opposite we don't get any kind of input anymore and as of right now um even the medium through which we get feedback to these quote choices unquote is a tiny bit more limited in that there's not even imagery anymore it seems to be for the moment just text which i don't think is a bad thing don't get me wrong yeah um so yeah i think in the way that this epilogue is in many ways sort of like kind of feels like the opposite of the original comic. It's very somber instead of like jokey, um, full text instead of, you know, imagery comic. Maybe the narrative voice is meant to be the opposite of how the narrative voice was presented in the original comic and that it's an absence of character and an absence of genuine choice for the player slash reader. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it for the moment. Mm-hmm. How do you um, feel about it? <laughs> I I'm fascinated by the change in tone. Um, I'm fascinated by mm-hmm. the richer by the richer discussion. I love being able to see a little bit more into the internal narrative of the character we're playing as, quote unquote, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, like I I'd, I'm just blown away by the quality of the prose here. Um, mm-hmm. And you know the dialogue is just whip smart, like perfect clarity, like always. Um, it really is like what I really appreciate is, but despite the fact that there's like multiple people like working on this and contributing it now, it feels like every character's voice carries. It's not dynamic, obviously, because everyone is older, but it carries the way I expected it to. It like they're still the same people, but they're older yeah. and still struggling, and yeah. you can really feel that, and it fits the you know kind of somber as we said earlier atmosphere of the overall work too yeah i thought it was really really well executed yeah absolutely i mean the character voices are spot on um mm-hmm. v did say especially that especially like you mentioned sardonic yeah. rose especially oh god the rose it's so it's just so <laughs> nice to see rose dialogue again i'm hoping mm-hmm. i cannot wait to see other characters again um mm-hmm. like oh my god so like what are you like what do you want to know moving forward um, the big question I have right now, like I have multiple big questions, but some of them, like we're just not prepared to deal with yet because we're only three chapters in. But one thing I really want to see, like we talked about earlier, is how everybody is being affected or at least what everyone's relationship is with their aspect now. Uh-huh. Um, again, we mentioned we're going to see Dave and Jade eventually. Um, Karkit was mentioned by name. I wonder if he possibly might be having the opposite problem that um, John is having right now. If John has grown like super isolated and the like, maybe Karkat is through aspect of blood, maybe overindulged, maybe a little too um involved with people maybe he's feeling the weight of whatever involvement he has in this new society or the fact that he 
has, I don't know, he's in like a consistent relationship mm-hmm. now as well, for starters, but we don't know if he's like handling this all property, properly, if he's prepared for a relationship outside of like the original quadrant norms that he knew during his time in Alternia. Like, we just don't know. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how that's impacting everybody across the board. Yeah, I know. I want to, man, I, I want yeah, me, me at the gates of Dave cat. Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> I loved the, we, I loved the, uh, at the start, the dreaming in anime where he was just dreaming act seven. <laughs> That's one way to put it for sure. It actually didn't click with me until you just said that, that he was re- literally just reliving act seven. Yeah. But- yeah, that prologue definitely makes a lot more sense now that you drop that on me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I gotta say, I love the fucking, um, I love the the opening prose, like the descriptions of the black hole. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, one more time, he's asking to come indoors again. Oh my gosh, just one sec. Get it. Tiffin, you better actually come and go with this time. You better not trick me like last time. How are you good boy? I love you so much. I love you. You've never done anything wrong. I have to go back to recording my podcast now, baby. Not my podcast. It does not belong to me. I've only been on a few episodes. I'm back. Anyways, um, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. You're um, on the you're on the first episode. It's basically your podcast. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I have to explain these semantic differences to my pet dog, otherwise he'll know I'm a liar. Yeah, anyway, well, Pippin did um, not Pippin did nothing wrong. Is also what I heard, which is which makes which makes him very much like Vriska in that sense. Pippin is the Vriska of the dog world. <laughs> um, but anyways. Now that you mentioned that, um, you clarified to me that the very beginning of the prologue was literally just John dreaming um, the epil- the um, X7 all over again. Mm-hmm. And once again, makes me think about the major tonal difference. I couldn't recognize it as Act 7 because Act 7, despite being the exact same event, was presented in a way that was so cheerful, so climactic, and like... Even though it wasn't the end, like anyone can see all the loose ties there still, it still felt like the end in a satisfying way. Yet when that exact same scene is presented as the beginning in the epilogue, it's very scary. Mm-hmm. And like it's honestly frightening. It was um depressing those loose ends, the fact that there's this like non finite ending to it. Um all of it felt very overwhelming, negative. It was a nightmare. The exact same event is depicted as something almost unrecognizable, despite the fact that just a few years ago, everybody was cheering for it. Yeah. Much to think about. Much to think about. I mean, it's, you know, again, like like the format of Act 7, like it was a dream ballet to, to get into, to use, uh, to, which has obviously been on my mind um, because of the recent uh, fucking Polygon Unraveled live show where Brian David Gilbert performs a dream ballet of, the po- of, of all the legendary Pokemon Oh no, I haven't I have to catch up now. Now I have to see what you're describing because as much as it sounds like complete and utter bullshit, I believe you 100% that I know that it exists and I have to watch it. <laughs> oh my. 
I'm sorry that like I continually just pause and like take a deep breath. No, but, it's like, fine. This is a lot. It's of a content lot to take to in. Over. Yeah. Well, if there's anyone to talk like to change the subject, if there's anyone to talk um, light signs and specifically Vriska with, it's you. Yeah. Do you have anything specifically? Because we know we're gonna see her. We're gonna see Vriska. Vriska's coming back, and with her, the Vrisk horse. Um. Is there anything specifically you want to see of Riska? Maybe like looking in a little bit deeper into how she's progressing or if she has even progressed very much wherever, whatever void that she's in right now. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm hoping personally, um, for, uh, <sighs> okay. So, so one of the things that a lot of people didn't, I think, get about Riska was like after act six, like, you know, the narrative didn't spend any time being, the original characters was only being the alpha kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So you didn't get, like, the internal narrative. So I feel like a lot of the, like, sort of angst and internal knowledge that, like, makes Vriska so sympathetic to a lot of readers in, like, Act, you know, Acts 4 and 5 didn't come through to to post-retcon Vriska, um, Mm. who, like, doesn't get the chance to introspect. So all I want to do... So, like, what I mostly want to see is just the chance to introspect and, and, you know, just, just, uh, like, like just the empathetic way that the narrative treated, um, John, right? Like, I would love to see that same thing applied to numerous other characters, including Vriska. Like, I want to see Vriska's mm-hmm. thoughts. <laughs> With Vriska specifically, this doesn't necessarily apply to other characters, but Vriska specifically, I simultaneously agree. I do want more time to like really dig deep into like her headspace, like have that empathetic field through which we can like kind of understand how she's feeling, especially like how she's feeling about everybody else when she reunites with John. But at the same time, I hope we don't hear her literal narrative thoughts. I've always liked having like a tiny bit of distance from Vriska specifically where you can hear her speak and talk about her perspectives, but you always have to ask yourself, to what extent is this true? To what extent is she just bullshitting us? Well, um, I th- here's the thing is, I think that Vriska, <laughs> when she, like, wh- I think when Vriska does something, it is almost always out of a genuine belief that it's the right thing to do. Even if that is stupid or based on, like, wrong information or wrong ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's why I find writing Vriska's perspective in fanfic so fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is just that like I like her perspective is one where she's she's like got a massive chip on her shoulder even inside her own head. <laughs> that is true. And you're right. I do enjoy reading like fan interpretations of that. And I do want to like get the chance to hear her say it out loud, so to speak. Let's mm-hmm. just say like here's how let's just get it out there. Here's what I'm thinking, here's why I did what I did. Etc. I just don't want to hear like her literal thoughts. Like I don't know if I would feel, I don't know how I would feel if suddenly like this epilogue completely changed, like perspective, so to speak, to her character specifically. I don't know if I'd be ready for the narrative voice and like literal thoughts to all be hers. Maybe I'm just used to always having that little bit of distance there well, well, again. Like, let me be clear that like I think it's interesting because the narrator in this prologue was, I think, very clearly unreliable, by which I mean like the narrator literally does not like like you get John's lack of understanding of Roxy and Calliope's relationship. Um 
That's true. <laughs> you get, uh, you get, like, also the also the um, narrative not understanding what was going on with Dave Carcat. Oh, sorry, no, I, um, sorry. Rose says this. This is mm-hmm. here's another separate thing. Oh um, boy! <laughs> about Jade, it's not like she's had any particular need to unleash the fuel, the full fury of the green sun. Not while she's been gallivanting around with Dave and Carcat under whatever perplexing social arrangement they have settled on. Oh boy! <laughs> so Rose doesn't understand what the fuck they're up to. Yeah, I don't understand either, Rose. It's completely okay. You're like the smartest person on the planet. You don't fucking get it. I don't see why I would either. <laughs> uh-huh. I know they were depicted together <laughs> in the credits. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. But again, we don't know the nature of that 100%. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it'll become a little more clear with like future updates, but for now, eh, who knows? Paul- <laughs> Polyamory is in the tag list. I don't know ex- oh, precisely no, that, what that means. Yeah, <laughs> no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, I would find that to be a very interesting twist. It wasn't one that I considered, but mm-hmm. one I'm definitely open to reading. Mm-hmm. Um I can't wait for updates on this thing. The more we talk about this, the more I realize how truly ignorant we are of the future. Oh, heaven. <laughs> and uh, V has tweeted that uh, in response to the questions of uh, how long is it um, and when is the rest coming? Um, hmm. Longer than you think and sooner than you think. What if I didn't have any thoughts? What if I can't... I'm so sorry if you can hear my dog barking. No, it's fine. It's adorable. All right. You know what? We're just going to let this happen. Indie podcast. Woo. Um, (laughs) um, I didn't come into this with any assumptions at all, so I truly don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to make of it, but at the same time... um, if I was afraid of ambiguity, loose ends, and an inability to predict the future, I wouldn't be reading Homestuck, so screw it. <laughs> I'm prepared for however long it'll take to wait. Everybody else has done their share of waiting. I can do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Something, something's been, like, just sort of hitting me all day. Because, like, I've, I mean, I've been in... This is, like, my, this is like my Super Bowl. <laughs> this is, uh, like... <laughs> But it's really been like, like this feels like I've been having that feeling like it was election day because I used to run mm. political campaigns and it's like, but also mm-hmm. there's just been this like, just washing over me this incredible feeling of significance of like mm-hmm. just how much this work has meant to so many people and like the idea that we aren't done yet. And that there is so, so much growing. more, there's so many more questions to be answered like that, you know, that. Uh, when I came back into the Homestuck fandom and, like, started the show last year, um, like, there mm-hmm. was a real, like, I don't think there was a lot of, like, sense of, like, hope for the future of the property. Um, like, yeah, nobody knew what was going to come of it other than the games. Like, I don't think anyone really thought that the comic, the main, main story was just going to keep progressing like this. Yeah. But Homestuck's back. Homestuck isn't over. Like, we, like, we are now entering the next 10 years of Homestuck. Oh like, like we've done the first 10 years and now we're doing the next 10 years and it's a brilliant start. Um, and I think, you know, this is the year that defines what the long-term life of this property is, right? Like, is this a temporary mm-hmm. web comics phenomenon or is it something that's like, you know, the next massive, like, 
comic series, right? Could this can this be mm-hmm. like a cultural touchstone? I don't know. I think it can personally. Maybe. And again, like you mentioned earlier, there is this big paradigm shift now that the nature of the authorship has completely changed, too. And um, what changes in authorship may mean that this epilogue is reaching audiences that maybe the original comic originally didn't. There'll be more people open to reading the entirety of Homestuck, including future content releases, who maybe might not have been interested in the original work. Yeah. Which I think is cool. I'd love to see what potential comes out of that. Yeah. And then you look, oh, I just took a look at Twitter. Hashtag Homestuck has been trending like number one. I know, it's been number one all day. And it's like, but that's wild. It's so (laughs) awesome, man. It's been so awesome. And and there's been so many people coming out of the woodwork that I haven't seen talking about Homestuck in forever. Um, Yeah. Everybody's just collectively collectively remembering their like troll sona phrase from maybe five years ago, maybe yesterday, who knows? There's so much fan art yeah. in the feed too. It's all so wonderful. I'm gonna retweet this somebody, fan art. Somebody all drew day somebody long. drew fan art of me today, which I really appreciated. Really? Yeah. Uh, fucking, oh, I just scrolled down to it. Is yeah. this the one that's your header now? Yeah, Mortif Bloom all drew right. drew Kate Scratch, the real excellent oh. host. Oh, boy. Well, your facial features are definitely a lot more defined than Doc Scratches yeah. are, so points for that. Oh, wait, what does this caption say? Verska did... Of course. <laughs> Verska <laughs> did, did nothing, nothing wrong. wrong. <laughs> if you had the omnipotence and greater power of Doc Scratch, then I'm sure that that would be the mantra that you spread to the people. Oh. I can't, oh well, it really, it, like, the more I scroll down and look at all, like, the discussion, the fan content, the fan art, everything, and the more it hits me, exactly like you said, this property, this story, and everything affiliated with it means so much to so many people, and it's so heartening to know that it's not over, like, it's the opposite, you know, the next phase of it has begun yeah that's such a wonderful thing i'm just so happy it's i'm still just so thriving. happy too i'm i i'm it's <laughs> i just I'm, i never i honestly never saw a feeling like this coming when like when you and i sat down last year to to talk mm-hmm. about like high swap in episode one and talk about your first experiences with homestuck um yeah no i didn't expect it either i really thought that i had just read through the comic to the end and then after um, Frenson was over, then all I really had to look forward to was whatever came next in the uh, Hive Swap continuity. I didn't think we were going to get mainline updates. I didn't think I was going to have to learn to be patient for mainline updates, but mm-hmm. now I do. I just have to learn from the masters. I have to learn from you. <laughs> oh, wow. What a change. So I have a question for you, actually, since I know that um, you are an enthusiast of many ships, including uh, Vris Resi, yeah. Vris Can, Rose Resi, and many others. Um, Vriska with every girl, well, basically. <laughs> Vris, yeah, pretty much. Um, but I specifically wanted to talk about Vriska and Terezi. Do you have... I'm not going to say what do you expect, because I don't think anyone can like expect anything right now, but... Is there anything you'd want to see from those two specifically? Are there interactions to what extent they might acknowledge or reach out to each other? Do you think, what do you think is going <laughs> to? 
I, I, all I know, like whatever, whatever happens, I just know it's like I'm gonna be on the floor for it. You know what I like? Yeah. Like I just have so many deep it's feelings about. I just have so many deep feelings about Frisky Terezi that like. Whatever. Here's the thing: is actually what I don't want is for it to be easy, and I don't want it for I don't want for it to be immediately satisfying, right? Like you're absolutely right. Nothing involved with either of those characters should be simple, straightforward, or like easy to digest. It has to be difficult. There yeah. has to be some bittersweet element to it. It yeah. has to make you sit down and really think. Otherwise, it just wouldn't be Frisco and Terezi. Oh God, I love Frisco and Terezi <sighs> so much. Also, I really like, I, I want to see like Kanaya. Like how Kanaya's doing with this with this development in Rose's life and mm-hmm. oh. like a part of me wonders is Kanaya as anxious about this as the rest of well, pretty much anybody who's reading who is a Rose liker, like is she really afraid for, you know, Rose's life or whatever might ultimately befall her? Or is she, you know, handling it with the same poise and kind of like maturity that we kind of associate with Kanaya or at least late game Kanaya? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Ah, all right. Um, So let's see here. Fucking, I think that's our show. Like, like, there's there's so much more to talk about, but like... You know, there's um, so much, but you can't you can't cover it all with one person on one episode. I think just these three chapters have given us a lot to yeah. talk about, and like different people are going to bring different things to the table. I'm just so happy this epilogue content is here, and I'm so happy that it's gonna like keep coming. <laughs> yeah, next week, uh, Xteen and Chelsea are gonna be joining the show um, on Perfectly Generic Podcast. Um, and uh, uh, Nell will be joining the show uh, on intermission. Um, I might. I think I'm going to put the intermission on the mainstream next week, um, just because it's fucking epilogue. Like we got it. Like I want to get as much talking to this in front of everyone as possible. Um, it's a big deal. Everyone's yeah. got to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so both perfectly generic podcast and intermission are made possible by all of our incredible patrons. Um, our Skylark tier patrons, uh, Isaac Chapman, Mars, uh, Yoitz Crow, uh, Rose Reardon, Taylor Dierks, Cheryl Abramoff, and Fragment Voyager. Um, thank you so, so much for your support. And, uh, like I said, at the top of the show, um, thank you unbelievably much to our, uh, to our Crocker tier supporters, Max May, Gumi, Legfish, and Oscar Gao. Um, it's... <laughs> unbelievably it's unbelievably incredible the level of generosity you guys are showing um you can stay tuned after the ending music for a clip of uh intermission last uh yesterday's intermission uh which is a feed a bonus podcast available to our to all of our patrons at every level um the music for this episode uh the opening was old secret by james roach um and the closing is uh perfectly generic by gumi um Sam, where can folks find you on the internet? You can follow me at, at Safaradon um, for my main, or if you want nothing but like rose posts and brisca posts for the next two years, I'm at Safax, S A H F A X, which is just homestuck stuff. Am I allowed to plug one more thing yes, before please, I leave? Yes, please do mention your if comic. You're, 
oh no i wasn't well yeah i have a webcomic uh-huh. uh that's cool chapter two i plan to start sometime late april or at least start posting it but that wasn't what i was going to plug okay if you're like me and have been thinking about rose non-stop for the past several hours i am beg you i implore you please go find optimistic duelist's essay on medium specifically rose lalonde at the heart of the world I actually went and like reread it once before coming here and yeah. it Especially as somebody who didn't necessarily have a lot of the historical knowledge or insight into her and her relationship with her light aspect. Yeah. It was very enlightening and wonderful to me. Anybody who's thinking about the topic of Rose and her aspect in depth, please read this essay. Please read it. It's so good. Yeah. I've been thinking about Rose for 10 years now and... Um, like that essay by Taz taught me so much and it genuinely mm-hmm. redefined my my thoughts on the character. Like Taz just does incredible work. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go, I'm gonna go ahead and link that essay again in the <laughs> comments. Um, and, and that's actually one of the uh, intermission episodes is uh, me and Taz talking about that essay for about an hour, uh, which if you're interested in Rose, go ahead and check that out. Um, Rose Likers, go listen. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is that's our show. You can find me on Twitter at gamblignant8. Um, and, uh, fucking hell. Get it. Let's see you guys next week. Uh, let's, let's Uh, welcome back to, welcome back to update culture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Subscribe to the perfectly generic podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash pigeonpod and get access to Intermission, a bonus show for patrons featuring moments like this. Uh, uh, well, I, d- I don't know. Like, say you wrote th- that really tidy, nice ending to Briss Resi. Like, I'm sure people still would, but, like, the vast majority of people's um, investment in, like, that relationship as, like, an as a continuing thing would go away mm-hmm. partly because it's it's like not a going concern anymore yeah um at least from the point of view of how people tend to think about relationships in fiction which is once it's canon that's it there's no like contention right and anymore. it's like have you ever been in a romantic relationship before as it turns out yeah. like as the years <laughs> like as the years stretch on a great deal of things can happen we need a, we need more fic where characters have al- like where characters have already been together for a while yeah <laughs> but also like yeah, and if I, you um, think that Friska's circuit is capable of settling down and like having a non-contentious like long-term drama-free personal relationship like Maybe you and I have different estimations of that character. Mm-hmm.